Hello, hello. Welcome back, Leading Women in Tech. It's time for another guest episode, but before we dive into today's topic, which is all about negotiation, which I'm really excited about. But before we do that, I want to just point out to you something I mentioned last week, which is this month inside Lit Up Leadership Academy, we are focusing on time management, and this is life-changing. This is the basis of making sure that you get the work done, that you do not burn out, that you feel excited, that you are creative and innovative. If you don't have the really great leadership time management skills, and by the way, I am yet to meet an executive who really has all this stuff down. I'm sure they are out there, but maybe they're not coming to work with me. (laughs) Maybe they don't need a coach. I think everybody needs a coach. But almost all of my executive leaders need a little bit of a brush up every now and then time management. Part of my job as a coach is to say, hey, I hear a boundary slipping there. You know, we talked about boundaries on last week's episode. And so I just want to encourage you, if you are feeling that your time is too squishy, you're feeling that you don't have enough hours in the day, you're feeling like, how on earth can I possibly get all this work done? Unrealistic responsibilities, or you're just feeling frazzled, I really want to invite you into Lit Up Leadership Academy. Join us for the month of February where we're digging into time management. You can join anytime, you get instant access to all the trainings and you will get coaching on this. And even at the end of February, all the content is still there. We just tend to have themes where we're talking about particular stuff every month. And February is time management month. All the content is there. So you can always dig into it and talk to your coach about it, even if it isn't our theme of the month. So if you're struggling with this, my love, I want you to know you don't need to. You can join Lit Up Leadership Academy for just one month. See if this is useful to you. See if it is the life-changing program that I know it is. <laughs> and if you are done after a month, that's totally cool. No problem. If you're interested, go to tonycollis.com forward slash academy. I'll make sure that link is in the show notes. All the details are there on getting started. And as I said, you get instant access the moment you've signed up. Well, maybe it takes 15 minutes for the systems to connect everything. <laughs> All right, but let's get straight down into today's podcast episode. Today, we're talking about salary negotiation, As you all know, I think negotiation is a fundamental part of our leadership toolkit. And of course, one of the ways that plays out most importantly for us as individuals is making sure we are negotiating what we are worth at the job offer stage or at the promotion stage. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Claudia Miller, who is a sought after career coach for women in tech. She's helped her clients land fulfilling jobs at a senior level. She also partners with companies and organizations in identifying their rising stars, and providing strategic insights and support in developing a leadership and talent pipeline. She's particularly passionate about helping women of colour, something I think we need to hear more of in this world. Due to her efforts, she's worked with top Fortune 500 clients and has been featured multiple times in Forbes, MSNBC, Thrive Global and Business Insider, who have put her on their top global list of top innovative career coaches. Without further ado, let's get Claudia onto the show. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, This is the podcast you need to become a lit up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Welcome to the show, Claudia. It's so great to have you on the show today. I'm so happy to be here, Tony. Can you 
share with us your career journey, highlights and lowlights, and why you are now passionate about helping women in their careers? Yes, I'm happy to share that journey. Um, And I'll give you like the quick notes version of it. But, you know, I always consider myself very ambitious and driven where, you know, I got good grades and I always volunteered and I did internships. So I figured because I did all the right things that everyone told me to do, that I was going to have a great career and I was going to be making a lot of money. And this is in college. And I graduated and I had zero interviews. (laughs) And finally, I had one interview and they offered me the job. But I knew that I never wanted to be in that situation ever again. There's clearly something I don't know and I need to figure it out. And it's not something I learned in school. So I had to do my due diligence to learn it elsewhere. So fast forward, it took me about four to five years. I invested in a lot of you know career coaches, resume writers, books and courses and classes and everything. But what I ended up leveraging and really using that really made a big change in my career was um, I started using business strategies in my career. So I started a side business at the time, like a virtual admin business. And I had to read on like how to sell your, like how to sell your business marketing. And I started implementing it in my career to say, well, let me see if this works because I was still working at the time. Well, it ended up being very successful where I was able to transition from finance to education, to healthcare in the Um, public and in the private setting. And every single time I received a 30K salary increase and most of the jobs I applied to, I was probably only 30% qualified for, yet (laughs) I was very successful at it. And that's how, you know, I then started helping out friends. Then I wanted to test it out. Will this work across various industries and levels of experience? And my clients have been doing a better job than I have where they received, I had a client make a $140,000 increase. So she went, she went from making 180 to 320,000. She just skipped the 200s. So that's really uh, where my journey comes from. And why do I work with women and specifically women in tech? Well, because tech is just a very fast growing industry and there's very few women. It's a very male dominated industry. And because it's a little bit skewed when it comes to salaries, what I hear the most is, oh, I got offered this job for 120000 I thought it was great. But then I find out my counterparts were making 160 to 180 And I realized mm. that I left so much money in the table. So that's where my goal stems from helping women within the tech industry because they are very grossly underpaid. And the reason why I like to help women is because I know by helping women, we're helping future generations. And women tend to invest more in their communities as opposed to or in comparison to men. I love that. There's so much there that resonates with all the experience I have with what I hear from my clients. Do just we're going to come back to the salary negotiation, but I just want to applaud you for going out there and demonstrating that we can get that big salary bump with only being 30% qualified for the job. Men do this all the time, but we need more examples of women doing this. It, It drives me kind of nuts that there aren't more role models out there saying, I can apply for jobs when I only have 30% of the skills they're requiring and I land a pay bump at the back of it as well. So thank you so much for saying that. But let's dig into these business skills to help you land that next role because I love this so much. It's the kind of template I apply to my coaching as well. I hadn't actually thought of it as applying business strategy to our careers until you mentioned it to me before we were chatting today. 
And I just love this as a as an approach, as an overall way of viewing our careers. Because at the end of the day, it's really important for us to notice that our career is a long-term thing rather than the next job. And in the same way that if you're working in a business, it is a long-term thing. You don't just think about the next six months or the next 12 months. You'd be thinking three, five years ahead and potentially even further. I mean, my business, I have a 10-year plan for it. I actually have a bigger plan than that, but it's very, very vague after 10 years. I have a fairly concrete five-year plan and a and a, and a pencil plan for 10 years, like where I roughly like to be. And then I have some grand ideas for beyond that. We do that in business. So why are we so resistant in doing it in our careers? We would do it for other people and their businesses, but not for ourselves. Do you have an answer to that one? Because it's for us, we hear, oh, a business plan. Even before people start a business, they know I need to get a business plan. There's even courses and classes around it. But very few people talk about a career plan. And even then, it's very vague. Um, it's usually, what do you want to be when you want to grow up? And it's already a destination. And I mean, we get asked this as kids, and I've had so many <laughs> answers. First, I wanted to be a, a, a spy. Then I wanted to be an architect. Then I wanted to be a lawyer. There's just so many things around it. But it's more of like, just get your foot in the door and do all the great work, do your studies, do the internships. And then afterwards, like your career would just fold itself. And that's what people tend to do. They get a job and sometimes they end up at a job or industry they absolutely hate or never intended to be there. It was an internship, now it's their full-time job. And fast forward, it's now been 15, 20 years and they've come to realize, I never even wanted to be here. I never was intending to go into this industry. I graduated with this specific degree. I'm not even like using it anymore. Mm. So we tend to let more career happen to us. Whereas business, if we let that happen, we just don't don't make any money. <laughs> We're not profitable. Yeah. Or we end up creating a business we absolutely despise or just doesn't able to serve us or who we're trying to serve. I think you hit something really key there. We create a business we despise or fails or we don't love. And so many of us experience that in our careers as well. And it's somehow acceptable. Capitalism means it's not acceptable in the workplace. Like the business cannot not work. And if we find that we don't love the business, we sell it. And yet we don't have that same attitude with our careers. We just, many of us are just allow it to happen to us. Uh, it, it breaks my heart. I do want to get into the tips though, because I want to talk specifically about your tips for applying business skills to careers. What do you think are the top tips that we can learn from our business leadership that we then need to apply to our careers? I always like to lead with value-based. So there's a book by Alan Wise called Value-Based Skills, I believe. And that book really transformed everything for me because at the time I was trying to start my VA business while still going to grad school, while still working full time. So it was just a lot for me to take in. So I knew that what, where can I make the biggest impact? And this book really changed everything for me, not only for my business, but in my career as well. And it's always leading with value. And same thing when it comes to interviewing or asking for a promotion or asking for a salary increase. You don't just say like, I want more because I've been working really mm -hmm. hard. Everyone technically should be working really hard. That's not enough for me to give you a, a raise. But when you position it as value and, you know, what I teach my clients is, you know, talk about the magnitude of the work that you've done these past 12 months in comparison. And what have you done something innovative that maybe your counterparts haven't done? All of a sudden, it's easy to ask for an extra ten, twenty thousand dollars when you show to the business or your manager that you brought in fifteen 
or two, like 1.5 million or $2 million. 10, 20,000 just seems very minuscule after that. It's like, of course you deserve it. You, mm-hmm. you definitely showed it. The ROI is there. And then it just makes the process easier as opposed to in comparison. Like I said, usually most people say, well, I work the hardest or I find out so-and-so is making more money than me. Like what well, I want to make as much, or I feel like I should get paid more, but they have no data backing it up. So this works well with not only leading with value, but also the different personalities. The analytics, people that, are, that want to see the data, that serves them. The type A personality, just get to the point. Here's the value I bring, and here is why, you know, I want to get a competitive salary rate that's within line with the marketplace. Okay. And for the most part, I would say there are people that are just bad managers or would just not have the funds. But for the most part, my clients have all been very successful. And I've even had clients get a 30% salary increase internally within their company. Yeah, oh, I love that so much. I mean, I talk about having impact statements that you always use in the way you talk. You say, I have this experience and I've delivered this, this and this that generated this much revenue or, you know, we brought this product to market that was, you know, had this many users within the first 12 months. It's all about asserting your value with data. Would you agree? Yes, definitely. We just don't need to shift the way we talk about that. I really think like all the time, including actually in our day-to-day operations meetings, it doesn't just stop when we're talking about, can I have promotion or give me this pay packet for this job I'm about to accept. It is just how we need to be operating as leaders. You know, listeners of this program are leaders primarily or aspiring leaders. And we actually need to be operating this way day to day. We need to be talking about how great our work is, how great our team's work is with data-driven information, which means that when we get to then talking about, hey, can I have this? putting their hands up and asking for something, it's not scary anymore. Do you think that helps if we normalize this all the way through our working life and just normalize the way we talk about data? Yes. And I know that, um, at least my background, um, I'm Hispanic. So we're taught, and this is not only my culture, but in very other cultures, they talk about, you know, be just, you know, be humble, do, you know, Mm -hmm. put your head down, do the work and you'll be recognized. And, you know, talking about yourself, it's considered usually negative, like, oh, you're conceited or you're just being boastful. Oh, look at that person just kissing up to the boss or the manager. But we need to reframe that. We need to remind our managers or who we're reporting to of our achievements and almost like a documentation, because I know that I cannot, if you were to ask me, what did I do last month? (laughs) I have no idea. I would really have to think about it. Probably I will have to go to my calendar and figure out to see exactly what I did last month. Now, if we can't remember what we did last month, how is our manager going to remember what we did last month or three months ago or six months ago, let alone 12 months ago? And when it comes to the performance review, if anyone has noticed, they only talk about the things that have happened maybe in the past two, three months. And it's almost like the other nine months are wipeout, if that. So really documenting that throughout the whole year, not only for yourself, but for your manager, you're constantly being aware. You're constantly letting them know. And the when it comes to the end of year reviews, that's when you do a recap. And it shouldn't be a shock to your manager that you did all these things at the end of it, because then it might be too late by the time you have your end of year review. They probably already submitted that promotion or that salary increase. So you want to make sure you stay ahead of it. And if possible, ask them, you know, when do you have to decide when promotions need to be taken in or salary increases? 
Mm. Usually companies have a deadline, but it doesn't always align with the year of reviews. Usually by that time, they've already decided that months yes. ago. <laughs> yeah, that's a mistake I hear a lot of people make. If they wait to the annual review season to make the case for the promotion, it's too late. You need to find out what the timeline is internally in your own organization around promotions, about pay increases, or just bonus time or anything like that. Because it quite often you get to annual review time, they already have decided what they're going to do. Uh, that's too late. I, I loved your point there that our bosses only remember the last couple of months. The worst thing there is quite often, the one thing they do remember from early in the year is the mess up you made. Would you agree with that? Of course, yes. Yeah. So we need to counter that narrative. For anyone listening, I highly recommend starting a success log where it's just a simple document that's yours. It doesn't belong to the company. It lives with you from job to job to job where you just put everything that you've achieved in there. I get my clients to check in once a week with it, put it in there. You have a lifetime record of all your achievements, which are great for interviews and great for that annual review time. And you always have something that says, oh my gosh, I can do that, which is such a good tip. Okay, let's talk salary negotiation because this is the bit I'm really excited about with you. It's something I get asked about a lot. And so when I met you and you're like, salary negotiation is my business, I was like, okay, we have to get this lady on the show. <laughs> what should we all be doing to better improve our salary and compensation negotiations? Well, first understanding, are you currently being underpaid or not? And I have yet to see this, especially for women. But let's just say you do, you are being very paid fairly in the marketplace. Well, then what I would focus on is how to build high value skills that allow me to get paid more. So instead of focusing on all skills, I go after um, high value skills that is really going to make a significant impact in my salary increase. Now, I have yet to come across that situation where I found a client get paid competitive rates of what the market is. So first is I like for everything, really, I like to audit and assess first. Where am I? Or am I currently at? One, am I happy with my job? Because salary, I know, isn't everything, but it should play a big part in it. But am I happy in my current job? How long have I been here? Do I find myself bored or not being challenged? Because what tends to happen is we stay at our job longer than we have to. If you're an individual contributor, you should be in that role for two to three years max and then moving to the next role, whether it be a lateral role or a promotion that's really up to you where do you want to take your career, but that needs to make an assessment. So once we assess, are you currently happy? Yes or no? Let's assess the salary for this type of job. And then for the next one, I want to go after and see that discrepancy. And some people are, well, most people are going to be shocked to see that discrepancy. That's why I have my clients get really big salary increases, but that's also because that's how long they've been grossly underpaid for this while. I had a client where they would told her she didn't have any manager experience, but to do the job without the title and without the pay, that way she can acquire that experience and then get the promotion. She did it for three years, finally had the job title and the uh, promotion. She get, she received like a very small salary increase. She then found out that her direct reports that were less experienced, that she trained, and now she's the manager, were making $50,000 more than her. And she had been with the company for 10 years. So when she was able to get a salary increase, I, I believe she received a 30% and it was still internally. So it might've been anywhere around like $60,000, $80,000, but it took some time. We had to build a case and it's always harder to do that internally. It's always easier to just ask for that right off the bat when you're interviewing externally. So it's really assessing where you're currently at and are you happy and what is that next step? And once you identify 
if you need to stay for this job a year or so, or that next step, then we want it audit and assess that salary. The quickest way if you're like, well, I don't have time, or I kind of just want to take a pulse. I mean, now in New York and Colorado, they have to disclose salaries. So you can look up 10 jobs, maybe in a similar size company that you're interested in going into and just find an average. Um, and then I would, if you're able to, reaching out to those people and asking them, you know, what does a typical compensation look like? There's also bonuses, sign-on bonuses, there's retention bonuses, there's RSUs, there's equity. I mean, there's so many other things than just salary that you want to make sure that you know about it because you want to make sure you ask for it. And then that's when you start assessing, well, if you really like your company and you really enjoy it, well, then you need to start building that value-based case or why you deserve that raise and why it needs to be readjusted for the responsibilities mm. you're now doing. Um, like I said, it is going to take longer. And sometimes you got to plan for a no. If they say, sorry, we can't, Tony, um, we're trying, you know, we're in a recession. We just had, you know, 10% of our workforce get laid off. Then that's okay that you can say no, but then you also have a decision. You can stay and know that they said no already. And I usually like to say, if you're not doing something about it, don't complain about it. I hear people, I hate my job. Mm -hmm. I hate my job, but they're not willing to do something about it. They're not willing to apply for a job or willing to get certifications to be able to get out of it. So once you hear a note, then you have a choice. Do you want to stay or do you want to go elsewhere and get paid competitive rates? I mean, I in my personal situation, I asked my one of my bosses for a promotion and a salary increase. I deserved it. I was already handpicked for the CEO. I was even leading a task force of professionals and leaders that, you know, had 25, 30 years of experience, and I was barely 25 years old. So I definitely was able to bring in those achievements, but my manager said, no, I'm sorry, Claudia, we can't give you that promotion and salary increase. You know, you should be grateful that you have your job. I was in my job for 10 years before I received a promotion. Once the person above you gets promoted, then we can discuss you moving to that position. I totally respect it. I'm not there to change anyone's opinion or philosophy. I went and got another job and got a 30K salary increase and I got a promotion. And now all of a sudden they had the funds to match my salary. All of a sudden that promotion was available. And by that time it's too late. I hear that story so many times that when we finally exit, we've tried, we've tried, we've tried. We finally exit and then they replace us with somebody at a even potentially higher than what we were asking for, the job title we were asking for. I've had clients who were replaced with two or three individuals to do their job. And it's like, it's only when you leave, they really understand what you brought to the company. What I would say is that is a failing of both your managers, but it's also to some extent without being a victim blamer here, some of that sometimes falls on us because we take too long to talk about how great we are. <laughs> going back to what you said, like stop being humble. Like ladies, let's just stop being humble. It's not going to serve you. And I think sometimes all these years of being humble mean that people don't really understand what we bring to an organization until we exit. Yeah. And I've seen too is not every manager is a good manager and not every manager has had or been taught how to be a good manager. So if, you know, one thing I hear from clients is by the time they get to me and they want to work with me is they tell me, well, my boss never supported me, kept getting passed up for promotions. And for me, it's like, you passed me up for a promotion once. We're going to have a discussion and we're going to have a plan. If it doesn't get met, I'm leaving. There's no second, third, fourth, none of that. So it's really setting those boundaries in place 
and knowing that there's a lot of opportunities out there. Even right now, I know we keep hearing recessions, layoffs. I mean, Meta just mm-hmm. did one, Salesforce just did one. There are companies that are hiring. There are companies that thrive during a recession. Mm-hmm. I like to focus on those companies during these times. When everything else is good, we have, you know, we have a handpick of like what company, what industry you want to go into. But when it comes to these times, I focus on the winners. Who are these winning companies? Who's going to be set up for success and who's thriving? And that's where I'm going to put myself in. And I will follow this strategy to get and land that job. But sometimes if you have a bad manager, that's very like archaic thinking of, you know, you should stay in your role. You know, my manager had been in his at the company for like 25, 30 years at this point since he was 18. Now, like he had been there for quite some time. So his mentality was just stay in your role. And when you're promoted, you get promoted and be grateful for it. That is not my philosophy and I will never leave my career in someone else's hands. So, you know, if you are in that situation or maybe you were given a new manager or someone moved into that role and you didn't really decide that, you always have the decision to understand who is this person? Are they there to help me succeed? Are they going to help me thrive or are they going to get in my way? And if so, let me look at another department or go to another company. But we do have, we can exercise that. And I know I have some clients and some of, I don't know about your listeners, but some people might say, well, that's easy for you to say because I don't have a degree. Maybe I have years of experience and I stayed at this company, so I don't have the flexibility to go to other companies. And to be honest, there are companies that will not look or accept you as a candidate if you don't have a specific degree. But a lot of these other companies don't care. They care more about the experience because when I hear from recent graduates with no experiences, I can't get the job. I have the degrees, but I have no experience. And they always take over someone with experience more than degrees. Yet I hear from the people that have the experience and no degrees, well, I can't leave. They always prefer degrees over the experience. So know that there are jobs out there. There are opportunities out there and don't become your biggest obstacle. Sometimes the biggest obstacle is ourselves and that's something around us. 100% totally agree with that. I do really see that so much of the time, our prior experience, including potentially well-intentioned people, not always well-intentioned people, telling us, be grateful for what you've got. I've heard women telling women, don't ask for a pay rise if that's enough to pay your bills. And I just, my heart breaks when I hear that because that's society has indoctrinated us to not stand up for ourselves. Men do not do that. Men are always saying to each other, go after that next pay promotion. And yet we are sometimes our own worst enemies to ourselves, to our peers, because of our cultural training that we've had that I hope the work that you and I and other coaches are doing out there is really changing that narrative for us and the next generation won't have that cultural indoctrination to overcome. I do quickly want to circle back on a couple of little things that you mentioned during your strategy for salary negotiation process. You mentioned figure out what high value skills you can build so you can get paid more. How do you go about finding out those high value skills? The easiest way that I know, and I know that it doesn't sound easy, but the easiest way and the fastest way is to reach out to people that are two, three levels above where you want to be. So let's just say you're, you want to be a project manager. Um, you might want to reach out to the director of project management office. They oversee project managers. And you want to ask, what are the hardest skills to hire for? Where, where do you see like the gap? And usually there's always a gap. And sometimes these skills might throw you off. It doesn't seem like it's aligned with it. 
And it's very different, but that's where the value comes in. So for example, if you're a project manager for a company that has data scientists, and they always say, well, project management, the hardest skills to hire for is honestly someone that can work with our data scientists. Our data scientist team is just so technical and they're introverts that it's hard for to communicate along with all the other functioning departments like sales, marketing, finance. Well, then maybe I would, if that was the case, I would go take like a basic data science program. And I would not, I would probably either go on, I think Google has free classes or Coursera or Udemy or LinkedIn Learning and just get a basic foundation. I'm not asking you to know exactly how to do these algorithms, just basic foundations. So you understand the, the overall foundation of it. And then you become a very high skill project manager because no one else has been able to do this. And the team loves you. They'll probably always ask if there's any projects. They're going to ask for your name because they know that Tony can understand us. And we know that when we tell her something, she's able to translate that to the other departments and vice versa. So that's where you become a high value you know, employee. And just starting to asking these questions, there's always a skill that's always hardest to hire for. Always. So asking those questions and you ask enough people, you'll start seeing a trend. Mm. Maybe you're at a cloud company. Same thing. Maybe you are a, I don't know, you're marketing and maybe you want to be a marketing manager or director of marketing. And you ask, what are the hardest skills to hire for? Well, marketers are great, but it's hard for them at times to understand um, truly what cloud storage is. And I know cloud storage isn't the most exciting thing. But just having a basic foundation, taking some online courses and maybe spending your weekend or a few hours to understand cloud storage and how some of these partners use it, it'll help you become a better marketer. And now the sales team really enjoys the assets you're putting out or the training you're delivering to your team because all of a sudden you finally nailed it. It wasn't like here's a product or service, but you truly understand the pain points and why it's so important for some of these partners or customers to move to the cloud storage because one of the infrastructure, two, it saves on operation cost and so on and so forth. I love everything you just said. I particularly love the fact, go and get that data from those senior leaders to see what they're struggling to hire for. But I also think it's interesting the way you're talking about develop a skill set in a, in a tangential area so you can work with that team. I think that cross-pollination between teams is essential at senior levels as an executive coach. The executives who really, really thrive are the ones that have a reputation for being able to understand and integrate across the organization, not just in their own little specialism. But it's also something we all probably think about more when we're interviewing. We go and do our due diligence. We're interviewing at a cloud company in a marketing role. Guess what we do? We go and read about cloud. We wouldn't expect to turn up to the interview without doing some due diligence. And yet we don't think about that for promotions in the same way. So I, I love what you just said. The other quick question I want to ask you before we move on to the quick fire round is how to build a case. So you talked about building the case for promotion. I think I know what you're getting at, but I think a lot of listeners would have no idea where to start. How do we get going? <laughs> well, one, one process or one of the steps would be first, if they're able to get access to their job description. 95% of the time, no one really does everything in the job description. Your job probably has evolved. Probably even, it wouldn't even be almost recognized if you were to look at this job description, like, what? I don't, I don't do any of this. I do way more than this. And I do the job of two, three people. So it would be first assessing your current, your job description for your current role. 
And then I'm very visual. So I like to highlight in green, like, yep, this is everything that I do. And you can highlight in red, maybe things you haven't done. In yellow, it's like, oh, I kind of sort of do this, but not really. So then do the assessment. Look at the next step, whether it's a promotion. Um, ideally, that's usually what tends to happen. Look at the next level up and start highlighting them. Well, actually, I've done all these things in green. Same thing. All these things in yellow where I sort of done it, but I don't feel like an expert yet. And write things that I haven't done. And then you're going to start seeing that you're going to be probably closer to the promotion role than you are to your current role. And then... So now you understand. Now you want to gather the data. What have you done in the past 12 months? And then it comes to as a conversation. And one thing I would say is never surprise your manager you're about to have this conversation. Because you want them to also have time to prepare. Whether they're like, oh, I know Tony. She's great. So let me, we already know I'm going to be discussing compensation. Let me check with HR in case they do ask for more. Like what I need to do. Every company has, a, for the most part, a process when it comes to it. Now, I'm sorry, we can only give salary increases between, you know, twice during these times of years and you already passed the first one, but maybe they're eligible for the next one coming around in January. So let them find out. And I always like send an invite talking about compensation adjustment and then discussing, you know, um, the work you've been doing for whatever set time since your last performance year review and having that conversation, building it out. And when I look, say like building your portfolio and building that data is, what have you done these past two months? What are the projects that you have done? What have been some of the metrics? Um, and every single job has a metric. I don't care if you're like, well, you know, I'm an engineer. Well, if you're an engineer for the specific tech product, you know, how many new products or, um, or upgrades have you done? How long have they taken? You know, what have been some of the challenges? What have you learned from it? Because even those are very valuable. How many people does what you do impact? How many customers or users are there? How many people did you have to work with? What was the range of that project? Do you happen to know the budget? Did you end up saving the company so-and-so amount of money? And sometimes you don't know that information, but if you're still within the company, find out that information. Hey, I was part of this project. I'm curious. How did that end up going? And you can start building those relationships with sales, marketing, finance, or whoever that is. You'd be surprised at the magnitude of the work that you've been doing this whole time. Or you might think, oh, it's a small bug that we fixed or it's a small you know, upgrade we did on the website. And all of a sudden, increased engagement by over 60% and over 50,000 people are using it on a monthly basis. And it has generated an extra $5 million. You may not have always known that, but now that you're looking for it, you're starting to find that data. And that's what you want to bring up during the conversation. And like I guess that. Frame it more as a compensation adjustment where it's more aligned to this other role and the competitive market rates for that is X, Y, and Z. And like I said, just do go look at jobs in Colorado and New York City, find the averages, and of course, adjust to your location uh, per se, because they tend to be a little bit more higher cost of living um, states. But then now you have at least a number range and you can say, you know, based off of the I've done in the work and based on the results and responsibilities, my job is actually more aligned to this job title. And with the responsibilities come this salary. You know, how can we close this gap? Love that. And that's more like a teamwork approach instead of like, give me the money or I need that salary increase. It's how can we close this gap? It's a we thing. It almost makes it feel like they have a choice, which they do. Um, and then some companies have um, preferences. They'll say, can, what about we just increase your salary by, you know, 10,000. Or they might say, what do you have in mind, Tony? 
Oh, thank you. And then you want to make sure you have a plan. You don't want to uh, kind of make it up in the spot. You know, I was thinking, you know, because I'm getting and I'm making this to make things easier. I'm currently at 100,000. I'm looking for a salary of 120,000. And with that, increasing my bonus based on performance from 10 to 20%. And now you have a plan as opposed to just saying, I don't know, what do you think is right? <laughs> you never want to go into one of these conversations without a plan for the numbers you are going to call out for 100%. You wouldn't do that. Well, I hope you wouldn't do that when your salary negotiation is for a new career position, whatever that is. So we shouldn't do that internally either. Own the conversation. All right. This has been amazing. So it is time to go into the quick fly round. I could talk about this all day with you, but let's do a quick fly round. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Follow your passion. I hate that. I like to say um, you, you have to create yourself. Sometimes we have done we haven't done enough to know what our passion is. So instead is uh, create yourself instead of finding yourself. Interesting. I like that. I, I do tell people to follow their passion, but only because they know what they're passionate about and they can see a route forward. But a lot of people get very stuck and confused and they're like, I, how do I figure out what I'm passionate about? I'm like, well, you've got you to figure out what that is first. So I love <laughs> that. I, I love that kind of like different framing and create yourself. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? <sighs> um, best piece of advice is... I do like the one of the books um, that I was reading where it says, um, stop being shy like about being ambitious. Like ambition is not a bad thing, especially women are told to stop being so ambitious. Um, those are people that are just uncomfortable with your ambition, but it has nothing to do with you, but it has everything to do with them. I love that so much. So good. What is the last book you read? Uh, by Barbara Houston. It was called um, Secrets of Six Figure Women. And it talks Ooh. about women under earning. Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm going to have to put that in the show notes along with the book you mentioned earlier on about value-based skills. So if you're listening, you want those books, go check out the show notes. We'll have links to them in the show notes. Okay, it's time for a mindset tip. At the end of every episode, I love to give a mindset tip. So what is your favorite mindset tip to help women leaders leveraging salary negotiations, up-leveling their career, being more strategy-based in their careers? Um, honestly, it's a quote by Jerry Rice, and it's um, do what others won't to achieve what others can't. So when it comes to negotiation, a, some, a lot of people, and I've even worked with executives that never negotiated their salary because they're scared. Well, scared is just a, an emotion. It doesn't mean anything. So a lot of times I do things while I'm scared, and I just almost recognize it almost like a, I'm not a big into um, sports, <laughs> And I think, but a lot of my analogies are in sports. It's almost like you go into a game and there's always the other side booing you. The players don't care. They're there to play the game. They're not there for the uh, for the opposing team. So like whether you're scared or not, that should never stop you. If you want to achieve greatness, you want to achieve a higher salary, you want to find that fulfilling job that allows you to thrive and spend time with family and get to this level of salary that you want to get to, you have to do the uncomfortable to get to it. So do what others won't to achieve what others can't. I love that so much. How can people find out more about you, connect with you, and also tell us a little bit about you've got a very special freebie to share with my audience today. Yes. So they can find me on my website, ClaudiaTMiller.com. Also on LinkedIn, you can look up just Claudia T. Miller. You'll find me there. I share a lot of free career advice, um, especially when it comes to salary negotiation. 
And for all the listeners here, I am actually sharing my $10,000 word for word salary negotiation script. So if you sign up, you type in your email address in your inbox, you get my $10,000 word for word salary negotiation script that my clients have used that without doing any of the work I just mentioned, just using that script alone has earned my clients even $10,000 in salary increases. Fabulous. What a wonderful gift for the audience today. If you're listening and you know you need to do something about your salary, please go check that out. The link is in the show notes. Claudia, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. We've needed somebody to come on and talk about salary negotiation for a while. And I am so glad you landed on the show to share your wisdom with everybody. Just before we wrap up, any final thoughts you'd like to share? Obviously, we, we talked so much today about salary negotiation and mindset. Um, to all the listeners, let us know what you found most insightful. Leaving a review, um, wherever you're listening to this, I think that would really help us to better understand what you found insightful. Because sometimes we're into we're doing this day in and day out. We don't know what insightful is at this point. It's just, oh, this is, to us, is just normal. It's just basic understanding. So really sharing and letting us know would really help us in more, you know, providing more of this material and content, of course. Oh, 100%. Thank you for that. And absolutely, everybody listening, please leave a review and please tell us in that review what you're finding useful. It really does help us deliver a better value every week on this podcast. And of course, listeners, remember, until next time, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Women in Tech podcast.